Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Supporting Older Adults with Substance Use Disorders. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on May 16, 2018. In this podcast, Anne Giazzoni, Program Manager of Physical and Behavioral Health Integration at UPMC Health Plan, discusses supporting older adults, caregivers, and their families with substance use disorders. Thank you all for joining today. From the uh, little survey you did at the beginning, it sounds like many of you are social workers and work in managed care. So I think um, the presentation today hopefully will be helpful in the work that you do. Next slide. So I want to talk about substance abuse in older adults and also family factors. It's very important to understand the family dynamics of substance use disorder. If that's something you've never had training on, uh, I would highly encourage you to um, learn about the family dynamics of how substance use uh, relates to a family. There's a lot of negative stigma out there and is a barrier to getting help for older adults. And it's also important to know how does the family view substance use. For example, if they view it as a medical condition versus if they view it as a bad moral character or they're just not trying hard enough, um, there's going to be maybe a little bit more resistance to getting help. There's a lot of loss and grief and denial associated with substance use disorder. Uh, and if you combine this with older adults, um, the loss of independence, um, also with losing friends, um, also if they've experienced any trauma in their life, you know, things like that. It's very important to understand the family situation in which they live. Also, substance abuse can be generational. It can be in their, with their children, maybe even in the family that they grew up in. Um, we see older adults taking care of their grandchildren because their children are now possibly had a fatal overdose. Um, so there's a lot of stress on older adults and very important to understand the family factors of that. For the loved ones of the person with a substance use disorder, looking at uh, mutual support programs for them, Al-Anon, Naranon, um, there's many out there in the community, uh, maybe where you live, that uh, are helpful supports and can be very educational about why their loved one continues to use. Uh, or if they're trying to seek help, the, the how just stopping use doesn't make everything better. So these educational programs and mutual support programs are very helpful for family members of the person trying to seek help. Next slide. So there are two types of onset that are important as well. Um, there's early onset of substance use concerns that are before the age of 65 and late onset of substance use concerns uh, which would be 65 or more. And uh, with uh, early onset, you're looking at a higher incidence of physical and psychiatric concerns. Um, maybe they've burned a lot of bridges, so there's not a lot of supports. Um, their substance use is long-term. 
maybe they've had periods of um, where they were abstinent, but um, you can see many relapses. You also see with early onset many attempts at treatment versus later onset. It might have been um, something that um, was related to a medical condition that they received opioids or start combining with drinking, things like that. Um, they might still have some supports. It might be related more to stress or grief, loss of independence, um, and maybe they've never tried uh, drug treatment before. So that might be just some educational piece for them. Next slide. We're going to talk about Fred a little bit. Um, and Fred is duly eligible. He has Medicare and Medicaid, and he is 66-year-old white male. Um, and he has an early onset of substance use disorder. And the reason why I picked um, early onset versus the late for my case example is because my, my guess is that similar to my work, um, someone like Fred is takes up a, possibly a large portion of your caseload um, where uh, his multiple issues going on at the same time uh, might even be sort of this chaotic situation, um, multiple risk factors going on. And uh, someone like Fred may take up your whole day, someone you're trying to help. So Fred has visited the emergency room several times for drug overdoses over the past six months. He was recently admitted for an infected abscess, and he admitted that this was an injection site of IV heroin. He has uh, chronic medical conditions, including hepatitis C, CHF, and COPD. I just wanted to highlight the hepatitis C because many of our baby boomers have hepatitis C and they don't know it. Um, so this is a very important uh, thing to screen for. Um, is hepatitis C because as we know now there is a cure for hepatitis C. Next slide. So with Fred, some of his uh, psychosocial situation is that he receives social security and food stamps. He is duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. And he says that he has a brother, but only call him in case of an emergency. Doesn't sound like a great support. He also has an ex-wife. And you can leave a message there if you need to reach him. So not a great support there either. Um, for transportation, this is a very important thing to assess. And he either walks or takes the bus, so not very reliable transportation. Um, for food, he goes to either a soup kitchen or he uses food assistance. Housing is a huge issue for someone that has a lot going on. Uh, he uh, is technically homeless, but he says he can stay with friends occasionally, and his ex-wife will sometimes let him stay there if it's really cold outside. And he uses her address for his mail. And this is an important um, aspect because getting to know Fred, I learned that, yes, he has an address, but it's not where he lives on a regular basis. He really has nowhere that he lives on a regular basis. So it's important to assess all of these things um, and ask Fred about his housing. Yes, he might have an address, but um, he doesn't really live there. So that's a risk factor for him. Next slide. 
As we're assessing uh, someone like Fred, some tools to use are the NIDA, uh, which is a nice quick, uh, there's a quick screen and then there's the modified assist um, to assess, uh, um, you know, how, what his substance abuse is. There's also the ASAM, which helps uh, for placement criteria of what level of care someone could be in. Also, uh, additional assessments um, uh, could be for social supports, housing, finances, transportation. So a lot of these are um, psychosocial factors, population health factors that are very important to get the full picture of what's going on in Fred's life. Next slide. What kind of interventions are going to work with someone like Fred with a very chaotic situation, lots going on? It's very important that it's person-centered. Um, what's, what's going to work with Fred may not work with someone else. And also, taking when he's ready to take uh, action, when he says, I really need some help, I can't live like this anymore, and taking those rapid interventions. Um, so that uh, he can really uh, gain help when he's ready. Motivational interviewing techniques are very effective at assessing a person's readiness to change um, and, uh, you know, getting educated on motivational interviewing can be extremely helpful. Uh, also, again, assessing the family involvement, having um, his family involved can be a protective factor. For example, if um, maybe there's grand, new grandchildren in Fred's life, um, that might be something that might be a motivator for him to change, uh, to start taking some steps in um, more healthy behaviors. Once uh, someone like Fred is ready and says, I, I think I'm ready, I need some help, um, having a face-to-face -face intervention is really helpful. Um, know that the resources in your area as clinicians, as helpers, um, what is a, who can get face-to-face? -face? You know, when is the next time Fred's going to be at going to the doctors? Does he have a way to get there? Um, is there someone that you can mobilize to go and meet Fred where he is? Um, uh, is there a home health that would be willing to go and see him? Um, I've had home health agencies that were willing to go to a homeless shelter to see someone. Uh, so um, knowing knowing which is the best face-to-face -face help. Uh, we also have um, community paramedics that are very helpful in our area, uh, in Pennsylvania, and um, you may have a similar program where you are. Uh, peer recovery specialists are such a wonderful asset in recovery. Um, they have lived experience in recovery. They can get a special certification, there's a certified peer recovery specialist training that they can complete and they can really meet that person where they are and say, I understand what you're going through, I've been there. And that is very effective in engaging someone in treatment and also maintaining them in treatment. Next slide. Having expert staff is very important in care coordination. Um, the care team and the components of that care team are very important that they are skilled in many areas. Many people access a medical uh, clinical situation 
for substance abuse. So do those medical staff have training in substance abuse? Is there someone on staff who has that ability to assess and care for them, whether it be in a primary care office, whether it be in an emergency room? Um, uh, many of you work for managed care organizations on this call today, and uh, we can see um, lots of utilization, which can be really helpful to pass along um, uh, to anyone who might help that person. Staff can facilitate admissions to detox and rehabs and not just give phone numbers. If you give someone who is still using a phone number and say, here, here's a phone number to medication-assisted therapy, here's a phone number to, to treatment, that, that's good, but often making that phone call with them is much more effective. Um, the chances of them following up might be slim. And when you think about your own organizations, how are you hiring? You know, hire that staff person that has lots of experience in lots of different areas to help them remove barriers. We don't want to transfer people. Like I said, just give phone numbers. We, we need those staff people, those clinicians, um, the peer navigators, the peer recovery specialists really to have at the fingertips the resources that are needed. For example, uh, Fred has a mobile case manager, and um, that person can go right to wherever Fred is and connect him with services, substance abuse services, either inpatient or outpatient, and also medication-assisted therapy. Next slide. Some treatment resources. Um, again, having staff with the knowledge of the criteria for different treatment options what's in your specific area, uh, what uh, medication uh, addiction treatment is out there. There's also a mobile app through SAMHSA that's really helpful. Um, and, and Dr. Greg also talked about Narcan and Naloxone to treat overdoses. This is very important. Um, hopefully first responders have these things. Uh, there's a way also um, to get them for free at different places in your community. And we need to have a person-centered recovery process um, so that to engage that person. Maybe they're not ready for treatment, but maybe they will help you with the fact they're going to be evicted. And so you're keeping that person engaged with helpers. You're keeping that person talking with you. And that in itself can be a success so that eventually a trusting relationship can be formed. Mutual support programs, again, we talked about Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, Al-Anon, Nar-Anon uh, for family members of that person seeking treatment. Next slide. This is the Surgeon General's Advisory on Naloxone and Opioid Overdose, so you can read that. Uh, it's very important to um, the use uh, naloxone. It can save a life. Be prepared, get naloxone, and save a life. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. 
To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.